Hi there. Welcome to Shrink Chat. This is the companion show to our main podcast, Terror Talk. My name is Shannon, and I'm joined every week by my friend, Kathy. On this show, we talk about psychology and media and whatever else comes up. It's a bit looser. So hang out and welcome to Shrink Chat. Why, hello. This is Shrink Chat with Shannon and Kathy. Hello. Hello. <gasps> Trivia? Shall trivia. we start with trivia? Let's start okay. with trivia. Guys, you go, you I'm, go, girl. I'm getting real impressed. <laughs> She's proud of y'all. I'm getting real impressed. Mm-hmm. Why? Well, again, we have roars and like a fox, neck and neck. It's it's really. Oh, oh, and while you do this, I'm going to walk over here. I'm going to walk. I'm going to walk around because I have created the box. The, the gift, whoever oh. wins. Oh, excellent. So talk trivia okay. and I'm going to get the box. All right, so Roars answered first and then Like a Fox answered after and in put it as like a Jeopardy answer. You know, okay. what is... So the question last week was, um, name the 1996 film where a killer Santa stalked... Excuse me. <laughs> Sorry, guys. She's walking by and she's like... I bumped you with my butt. Fucking bull in a china shop. <laughs> Knocking everything over. I'm carrying okay. a very large box. Don't mind her. 1996 film where a killer Santa who stalks a woman, okay. um, he becomes obsessed with. Okay. The answer, mm. according to Like a Fox, is what is Santa Claus? C L A W S. You're so dramatic. I love it. Santa Claus. <laughs> Is that the answer? That's the answer. (laughs) Congratulations to Roars and Like a Fox once again. They both got it right. Thanks for playing, guys. Yeah, no, we really appreciate it. And um, yeah, so that was me almost knocking Kathy over. That was a lot of stuff you were... My apologies. I mean, did you have to do that right then? I did, because, I don't know, I had to, because we're talking trivia, and it's not going to be relevant later, but I wanted to say that I You're building the the box. I made the box. Let's see what's in that so far. Well... So, you got some goods. There's some, yeah, there's some interesting goods. There's some industry magazines. There's um, a produced by magazine that only goes out to members of the Producers Guild, which I am a member of. Um, there is, there's some, sh- basically I filled it with swag. So, swag I have gotten from things. So, there's like an ABC hat from American Crime. There's a vinyl of the soundtrack of Free Solo. Um, there was a horror movie made, uh, an indie horror m- movie made called Director's Cut. And it was with Penn Jillette from Penn and Teller. Mm-hmm. And he made a movie. And um, people that supported it got a like a swag bag of really ridiculous things. And so I just put that in here. Uh, the box is building. Yeah, there's some other stuff in there. But anyway. Cool. It's, it's, I figured Schwag needed a life it beyond me. It does. So there it goes. You go to these, you go to these events and you get they all this, give you stuff. Yeah. And then you're like, what do I do with the stuff? Yeah. And I feel like it's like books. You just pass it on. Pass it on. I so like it. So that's what we're doing. Excellent. All right. So next week's trivia, we'll, you'll answer that under, um, the Linda Blair Exorcist post, I believe it's on July 18th. Oh, good in Lord. Instagram. 
Or, you know, you can email. It just gets harder and harder. Us or send in, you know, you can show up, at the front do- or show up at the front door with a Stop it. cardboard Stop sign. It. Okay. <clears throat> Which away. 1992 Clive Barker movie is being remade and by whom? <laughs> Which 1992 Clive Barker movie is being remade and by whom? <laughs> You're just having fun saying that, you weirdo. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't don't you all go at that at once. <laughs> and are we looking forward to it or not? <clears throat> oh, I am. Okay. Especially because of by whom. Okay. Okay. But the, the original one of this was actually quite scary as well. All right. Cool. Yeah. Look forward to that. Thank you for playing. Um, so I watched, uh, I don't know. What do you want to do? You want to talk about stuff we watched first? You talk about whatever the hell you want. She doesn't care. All right. I watched a series called Broad Church. Do you oh, know wait this a minute. one? I've heard of this series. Yeah. So yeah. it's interesting in the sense that it's kind of right up our alley. And you were talking last drink chat about sex offenders and a lot of yes. that. So um, it's a British crime drama. There's three... Um, seasons or series as they call them and i think there are like eight episodes each and it's a bit of a procedural so uh, procedural meaning um kind of a crime drama and i don't want to give it away because i think it's a quality show and if you you know as a lot of things british are it's sort of a slow burn that but that eventually it's just well done And as you get into the second and then third season, you sort of see. So in the first two seasons, they're dealing with a couple of crimes that could be. uh, They have a sexual predator element to them, but it's not overt. So it's actually quite interesting, Mm. Um, uh, which what you would find out in the first you know, few minutes of the show, so it's not a spoiler, is that a little boy dies. And then literally it's two seasons to figure out what the hell is going on. Mm. And then the third season is a different crime with the same cops. But there's also personal stories going along with it. And and I always like it when there's a, you know, I think this is a great formula. One of the formulas is there's, you know, a male cop that is not particularly healthy. (laughs) <laughs> and has had his own trauma and is mm-hmm. running from his own issues mm-hmm. and has a backstory that you absolutely don't have any idea what that backstory is for many, many episodes. But you know it is because he's a good actor and there's a thing there. You know, right. Like You just know. And then there's a female act, um, a female cop that's kind of becomes his partner and she gets wrapped up in this whole thing in, in a crazy way and it's just good. I've heard good things about it. It's good. It's dark. And I, I like that. Mm-hmm. It's meaning dark in its tone. Yes, yeah. it's a dark topic. It's absolutely a dark topic. This is dead kids. But yeah. uh, it's it's also dark in its tone and British in that way. Um, and Which I've been trying I love. to. Yeah, me too. And it's why I started watching it. it. It's taken me a while now. You know, I did not sit down and watch all three seasons this weekend. <laughs> it's taken me a while to get through it. Yeah. But um, but it was good. And I also watched. Uh, 
I'm I'm keeping up with the Mandalorian, but I don't need to go. Oh into yeah, that me too. too much. But yeah, me too. I'm keeping up with that and enjoying it. Uh, you know, I will say though, episode six, yeah, some really bad acting. <laughs> yeah, uh, <clears throat> like pretty painful. Well, Bill Burr is in it. Bill Burr was great in it. Yeah, I know. I thought he did a good job, but woman, some of the others not so much. Yeah. Yeah, that woman that's Shian like or whatever. very melodramatic. Oh my God, with the overly hissing. Yeah, yeah. Oh, stop. She's trying to be like an animal or something. It, it, it was too... It, it's it, was, just, it, kind it didn't of, work. Kind of like what Amanda Plummer does in Pulp Fiction, but it worked for her in that movie. Where, and in the context of that. In like, the context of it. Everyone else in The Mandalorian is very realistic. And then all of a sudden she's kind she's of coming like in with that. Yeah. <laughs> I, sh- I I was I really just wanted her to not be on the screen. Please stop, right? Yeah, and her brother was pretty bad too. Oh yeah, yeah. No, I hear you. I thought Bill Burr did a pretty good job. Bill Burr was awesome, and so was the guy who played Berg. Um, he was good too, and he's been in oh a bunch yeah. Of stuff. He was actually in the original Pet Cemetery. Okay, yeah. From what I remember, uh, the guy who played Berg. But and if you look up the actor, you'll recognize his face because I was like, "Why do I know him?" I know him, but it's um, got makeup on. <laughs> but I'm enjoying the series, and I am too. Baby Yoda. I mean, he just keeps getting funnier. Baby Yoda. His little facial expressions on six uh, when he's hiding in the. Oh my oh god! god. So and I've said this before. I am overly emotionally invested in Baby Yoda's safety. <laughs> we all are. Where's the baby? That's the whole dramatic plot point in that whole show is yeah. keep Baby Yoda safe. Because I actually I forgot between five and six where Baby Yoda was mm-hmm. because there was a big gap between watching both of them, and I'm like, oh my god, wait a minute. Who has Baby Yoda? <laughs> it's like you start at the beginning Where? of every, every episode, and you're like, "Okay, he's not with Mandalorian. Where is he right Where now? Is he? Who has Baby Yoda right Where's now?" Where's the tracker? Then when I realized he was on the ship and he was okay, I could breathe. Yeah, right. But it scared me for a it minute. It gives us anxiety. I'm like, is he with the prisoner? That's not okay. <laughs> and then the only other thing I wanted to mention that I saw was Knives Out. How I, was it? I have the screener for it, and I so maybe it would have been. I don't know. Sometimes you just don't know whether movies would be better on the bigger screen or not. It's not really one of those movies that needs to be on the big screen. Um, I liked it. It's gotten really good reviews. I um, it's it's a bit different than you think it is. So when you see the trailers and when you see um, what it is, you think I, I thought. I'll just put. I'll just say I thought. I think it's marketed as a old school you know, murder she wrote type of um, Columbo type of Agatha Christie, right? Mm -hmm. That's how it's where there's going to be a a crack detective that comes in and and does that whole thing. Mm -hmm. Well, it's kind of got that vibe sometimes. They certainly use that flourish, Mm -hmm. those kind of like push in shots of the camera that happen right up onto somebody's eye or whatever. Like Mm -hmm. it has a little bit of that. In some of the style, but the story is really different. So okay. I, I think I think maybe that's what people are reacting to that they really liked it is because you go in expecting one thing, and often when it's another, you go like, "Oh, that sucked because it's not what I expected." Right. But this is different in a. It's like a. It's like a genre bending a little bit, and yeah. I, I those of you who've seen it might might agree with me, might not, but I feel like they took a different take on it. Um, and the young woman that's in it, who's kind of the main star, is really good. And then there's, of course, all these ensemble mm-hmm. actors that are super famous. Tony Collette. Oh, it's and, a great cast. And, you know, yeah. all that. So, cool. I yeah. want to see it. Yeah, yeah, I would see it. I've just been 
hooked like intravenously to <laughs> Disney Plus. That sounds painful. But I also watched um, on Amazon Prime. I, I Sunday. I got a cold because I was at Disney last week. Let me start with that. Okay. I went to Galaxy's Edge for the first time. And guys, it's so incredible. Mm-hmm. They Even if you give two shits about Star Wars, if you get it's to awesome. Disneyland, if you don't live in Southern California, but you get out here or you do, do live over here and you get out here, it's so worth it. It it was it it worked. It lived up to its hype. Yeah, and they're gonna add another ride next. I mean, we were just walking down the street, mm-hmm. and here comes Chewie, and all everyone's following him, and <laughs> you just kind of feel like you're on the set. The, I will say the only thing, and I've consulted with two of my friends on this who completely <laughs> agree. It's very serious. Um, and I sort of heard from a friend of mine the reason for for this, but there is no good merchandise Mm -hmm, and um they are having a really difficult time trying to figure out the baby yoda release stuff because it hasn't come (laughs) out and they couldn't prepare for it and then they had to wait for there's like all this drama around when and why and if Mm -hmm. and that's what i think a lot of people want to get from there or here was the other issue i was having was my brother (laughs) who loves star wars but lives in north carolina he can get star wars gear anywhere i was looking for something that said like opening season of galaxy's edge or there was one shirt themed stuff there was nothing else that had galaxy's edge on it and i thought that was kind of strange yeah they're really still working on it i mean one of the criticisms has been that a lot of the promises that they made and you might have not been caught up in all of that but there was like a lot of promises made and a lot of high expectation um for what they were going to deliver. And so there's one ride, basically. And the world that they've created oh, and, there is amazing. By the way, the ride's awesome. And the ride is awesome. Yeah. But there's another ride that's going to be open in, in 2020. January. Yeah. yeah. Um, so we're going to see how that goes. But they haven't... It's like, you know, the food and drink and the way they do it. And you have to sign up for times in the little bar. and the. But my Diet pumpkin. Coke looked like BB-8. Yeah. So that was really so cool. there it is. Yeah. It's cool stuff. They... Um, what I think they They're did. They're working on it. <laughs> what I think they did right, though, is it's not a, its own park. So, f- so because it's not its own park, they can get away with gradually bringing things in. If it was its own park, it would have bombed because there's yeah. one ride and there's you know a line to get into the cantina. For sure. But as far as visually and the characters being out and the and when you buy a coke and it looks like a droid and yeah. that stuff, the, all those nuances is, are really cool. Yeah, and for if you're, you know, Disneyland geeks or whatever and you go on YouTube and maybe you follow some of them, there's like Fresh Baked and there's Justin Scarred and there's uh, the Daily actually, Woo and all I'll those I'll actually guys. post on um, our Instagram one okay. of my videos of Great. being there. Yeah, And just, uh, it, it kind of gives a little walkthrough and some pictures. I'll post some pictures of it so if people want to see it. It's um, fun. And then the other, the movie that I watched that actually really touched me, it was on Amazon Prime. It's from 2004. And I think it touched me because both Paul Walker and Robin Williams are in it and uh, they both passed. Mm-hmm. And the nature of the film is, uh, it has a lot to do with the afterlife as well as sort of connecting with angels and that doesn't you know clearly around this time that doesn't have to be in a religious sense but it's a christmas movie it's called noel so it's not to be mistaken with the new one which was also cute that came out this year but this one's definitely more of a drama it has susan sarandon robin williams paul walker penelope cruz those are kind of like the big names and it's like four different stories that come together at christmas i really i mean it's older and i just found it was i was laying in bed on sunday because i had this head cold from being out all day on wednesday and 
I got really hooked on it and even like cried at the end. It was like one of those really good, not like a Hallmark lame ass Christmas. Like it was really good. Yeah. I'm, I'm, it's free on prime. I'm a huge, you know, I'm a Robin Williams nut. Well, and once you watch the movie, I don't want to give anything away, but once you watch it and you listen to some of the things he says and knowing what happened to him and all of that, you just, it's just like, oof. It's heart-wrenching. It's heart-wrenching. I love that movie. I haven't watched it recently. I will add it to my list. I mean, I think that's relevant. Holiday movies. Do you have, like, off-the-cuff, I can tell you, like, two or three holidays movies that I watch every year? Oh, yeah. We didn't prep for this. So I'll just say a couple. Okay. Um, one movie I watch every single year is a movie called Home for the Holidays. Oh, it's a, I watch it around Thanksgiving. With Holly Hunter. It's a Thanksgiving movie, but I always end up watching. I don't prep for Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, prep, I prep for Christmas. I, I, so, I happen to celebrate Christmas. So um, I just watch that over the weekend. So I watch that every year. It's with Holly Hunter, Robert Downey Jr., and a bunch of other great people. And they're all very young. <laughs> And then one of the other ones I can tell you that I definitely watch is the Polar Express. Every Christmas Eve, I watch it's it. It's like my favorite. And it's a Christmas Eve movie because it's on Christmas Eve. I can't believe how amazing it is. It is. I used to watch The Wonderful Life every year. I've gotten out of the habit I of that one. I can't watch that one. Yeah. It, it started to hurt. <laughs> I, just, I just can't stand Jimmy Stewart. Well, yeah. For me, it was... Um, I don't know. It just got too painful. It's yeah. really painful it's to really, watch him it, yeah. be so, ugh, it's yeah. just hard. And everybody knows that story. So for me, it's, um, and I have the, actually the, the Christmas village and I probably know every word from the beginning to the end because it's my family's like tradition mm. is national lampoons, Christmas vacation. <laughs> I've, you know, I have heard that one from a lot of people. That's great. It's, That's it's amazing. So if you grow up in the Midwest, which it's mm-hmm. filmed in Chicago yeah. and you are a suburb kid with a Midwest family and all the bullshit family it's that comes so along, you. <laughs> it is so flipping funny. And it was made in 1989 <laughs> and it still stands. And it's one of the funniest movies I've ever seen. And my Christmas village is actually, and it's all like quality, you know, um, forgot the name of the company that makes it, but I have like Hasbro or somebody. No, it's it's one of the like that make like the Dickens Village and oh, stuff. Oh, oh, yeah, okay. they're like gotcha. super 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 like very expensive pieces, but it's um the whole movie set basically nice. from the film. So that one I also really like the Family Stone. Mm-hmm. So that's Diane Keaton, mm-hmm. um, and uh, Rachel McAdams. It's it's also really great. I watch, um, I, there's some like, ro- there's like some romantic ones I watch, like The Holiday. Yeah, really that's like a great that one. one. Yeah. Um, I, you know, there's some light ones. You know what I watched I really last night? What? Gremlins. That's ah, a Christmas movie. It's totally a Christmas movie. Oh, I've watched that one. one before. There's been a couple of years where I've sat down and watched, you know, a lot of people, their favorite is Home Alone. I like that one. And I just never am drawn to that. Yeah. But I mean. I go through periods where I'm like, because the music is so nostalgic. Yeah. And, I feel yeah. like I should be. But, I don't know, to each his own, I guess. Yeah, right. I, I'm not crazy about It's a Wonderful Life, and I know some, and I'm also not overly crazy about a Christmas story. Yeah. And some people are addicted to that, and I'm like, I can only see that kid get his stuck his tongue stuck to the pole a couple times before it's not funny anymore. I understand. Um, yeah, I, I get, like, I get the, I, I want things that make me, like, wax melancholy or something. I don't know, like, that are Have emotional. You seen Family Stone? Yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I also, I don't know. So 
and oh, a little and love bit, actually sorry love actually is yeah. what i was just about to mention actually yeah. you read my mind actually yeah um love actually and the holiday are i think are my two favorite sort of romantic comedies yes that i watch once a year I just I have an infatuation for anything Keira Knightley I just love anything she does she's fantastic she really is and she kind of comes and goes but I always think her performances are amazing and anytime I see her in interviews she's just so elegant and I just love her and that whole ensemble cast Liam Neeson Mm -hmm. and oh god and um what's her name Emma I don't remember oh god I do watch some animation too, like Grinch. And yeah. I, I, oh, Snoopy, Charlie Brown Christmas Charlie is my Brown. number one. And, uh, you know, we start with The Great Pumpkin. Yes. I mean, that's And then a there's Thanksgiving the Thanksgiving tradition. one too. That's the one I watch, The Great Pumpkin. And then, um, and then the Thanksgiving? Th- uh, Christmas. Oh, the, well, there's a Thanksgiving one too in right. the middle. Yeah. And, um, yeah, Great Pumpkin and The Charlie Brown Christmas are so great. Yep. And, uh, now I want to go watch those. So I'm sure we'll be talking about holiday things as yeah. we go through the next couple of weeks because we're not taking a break for the holidays. Um, we are not. We are not. What's up with you at work? Oh, um, I've had a lot of court work lately and evaluations. I'm working on a couple different case, difficult cases right now that involve like um, parental rights and evaluating um, not necessary necessarily custody but i did an initial evaluation this past week for a boy who is sort of caught in the middle of a lot um with between his mom and dad and i'm not going to go into too much depth but it's really really hard work when children are involved and and unfortunately the game that the game of court that is played and all the different ways as evaluators and therapists that we have to do our best to stand back and be unbiased and look at everything. But I think what, what I really want to emphasize about this is at the end of the day, the court sometimes loses the focus of what's best for not only what's best for the child, listen to the child. Mm-hmm. Okay. Cause there's a lot of this, like, well, dad said this or mom said that when you sit with the kid and you evaluate him or her without the parents in the room, you do get a pretty good read. I think if you've been doing this long enough. And so I think for me, what I try to emphasize to the courts is at a certain age, listen to their voice Mm -hmm. and stop interpreting for them and stop pretending like they don't know how to speak. And I really had to emphasize to the court this past week that in the state of California, if a child is 12 years of age or older, he or she, you know, as long as they're, you know, competent and appropriate, developmentally appropriate and emotionally mature enough, they can choose who they want as their therapist. And the court just like wants to act like they don't know these penal codes. <laughs> and, I know. and if it, that was not in my evaluation, that would have been a, even a bigger fight. Mm-hmm. So it's really exhausting. It's really meaningful work, um, but it's been a really heavy work week at work because of a couple different cases I'm working on. Yeah, it's like when we have to fight an uphill battle kind of thing. And you just feel for this kid who's really caught in just a shitstorm of drama. Yep, on manipulation and Mm -hmm. feelings and all kinds of stuff. Yeah, I mean, my I've been working with, um, you know, foster families and kids who are chronically suicidal that's um it's the holidays often my bread and butter yeah often my bread and butter is um and bread and butter meaning just like what i've done a lot of not that i 
not referring to money, <laughs> um, actually. It's more that those are the kinds of cases that I get tagged for because of my experiences. And so, and I really actually enjoy the work, um, working with kids who have chronic suicidal ideation and um, self-harm behaviors and sometimes substance use issues. And that is all uh, wrapped up in very traumatic backgrounds. Yes. So that ends up being what I sit with a lot of the time. They become the product of their situation or environment, right? Yeah. yeah. And I, you know, I guess it uniquely suits me to talk about all the criminals we talk about too, because mm -hmm. we talk a lot about trauma and childhood and the basis for what these uh, guys mostly uh, have gone through and then what they become and, and all of that. So I think between the two of us, you know, we were uniquely suited to discuss those things just because of the work we happen to, you know, when you get into a profession, you don't know where it's going to go necessarily. You have right. like ideas about where it's going to go. You sort of set out and you think I'm going to do this, you know, I'm going to go to school and I'm going to do this. And then you go to this practicum site and this traineeship and you meet these professors and you have these bosses and you go along the way and it all kind of leads you in a, in different ways. I tell my students that a lot. Yeah. I was like, I know you're starting here, but let realize it. that that's going to go down about 17 different paths. Just well, let, and it let it Let yeah. it happen. Because when you're learning, cause you're, I think, so what happened for me and maybe this is your story too, is that the, it found me yes. like the things I was uniquely capable of sitting with and tolerating for sure found me mm -hmm. because from the very beginning when I didn't know my hmm from a hmm is mm -hmm. um, <laughs> I was sitting with severely mentally ill clients mm -hmm. because my supervisor at the time had decided that I was capable of that. Right. And so that sort of from a very, very early on, like I was a paraprofessional at the point, I haven't even hadn't even started back to school yet. And, um, and you kind of go, okay, well, I'll, almost like know. a calling. Yeah. yeah. And then and then throughout time, you sort of, you sort of because as you learn, and as you have more supervisors and more quality and more introspection, you sort of then you figure out why. It's, it's interesting you say that because I'm looking at um, going into my own practice this summer with a colleague of mine and I was thinking about how I'm wanting to shape and implement the clinical work and the forensic work that I've done because I've been doing a lot of clinical work over the past few years and slowly getting back to my forensic work which I love and so I'm just like yourself have done a lot of risk assessment and I really want to look at my practices risk assessment management and and prevention you know evaluating and, mm -hmm. and dealing with a lot of um, the focus is on helping families, whether it's trauma, whether it's addiction. Mm -hmm. So from the clinical piece, but then also bringing in independent forensic evaluations and assessing for risk in the community. So Just, I was drawn to that through my clinical work and my mm -hmm. forensic work, which is the evaluation piece and the clinical work, mm -hmm. which is the MFT that I got before. And it is, it does your, your worlds just kind of come together and you go, okay, this is sort of the vision I now have. And this is what I've been doing for the last few years. And now it's my niche. Yeah. It kind of comes together. Mm -hmm. And I mean, you know, this is 10, 12, whatever years in, you know, you're sort of, um, it just, it shifts. And it, for those of you maybe just starting out in the psychology field, it's like, 
you know, make your plans, have your goals, but go, go with what, cause there's going to be people that you respect that are going to see something in you and give you the opportunity. Yep. And I do that for my staff now, hopefully, I, yep. is I have those conversations. I like, what well. are you interested in? Where, what do you want to go towards? What do you feel like you, you know, and I, I try to engage in some self-reflective I, I have processes. a student who's doing the same with me right now and just helping her guide through it, but also giving, you know, making sure that there's this luxury for her to go do other things Absolutely. as well. Because this is the industry, this, our industry is really... If, if we allow ourselves to explore, it does find us, but we have to be innovative in it. Mm -hmm. Unless you want to just be stuck doing one thing. And some people are fine with that. I'm not putting that down. But there's so much opportunity in this field if you're innovative to make it something that you get up and love to do every day. Yeah, and I and I absolutely and I think that's up to you. you it know, is. I really think so. Because listen, like all throughout my um, masters and PhD and all the different placements, people, people, my peers were making all kinds of different decisions. So some of my peers in the PhD program were getting all their hours in private practice. Some are, why you would do that in a clinical program, I don't know. I have some judgment around it. <laughs> I'll just go. We're just going. <laughs> I have an opinion about it. But I really thought, I honestly thought that's what I was going to do. But when I got the master's and then decided on the PhD, it was like, I wanted clinical work. Mm -hmm. And I really understood the difference yep. between um, MFT, uh, private practice or mm -hmm. agency work yep. and clinical work. And yes. so I specifically, even though I was in a depth institute, I specifically chose highly competitive, very clinical testing sites, mm -hmm. um, uh, clinical assessment sites. And I didn't have to do that. And no, but that's what drew me to the doctorate as well. Is, me too. Is wanting to not just be in that. Um, it's like, why do I get a doctorate if I'm just going to do what I did in the master's? That's right. There's no point. And I, I tell students of mine who ask me, you know, do I go on to get a doctorate? And I would say, it depends. It depends on what you want to do. Not everybody needs it. I wanted to do court work. I wanted to do evaluations. I wanted to, to do testing. I wanted to mm -hmm. teach. So I inevitably didn't want to pigeonhole myself because to me, that's what it felt like for a lot of MFTs, for a lot of clinicians, LCSWs, who that's where they love to be. Yes. Then you don't need to spend no. more time in school. No, 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 not at all. And I agree. Like I, the people I've talked to, who went on to do doctorates, it was, I noticed that it was usually because it didn't feel, it didn't feel finished. Right. And that was kind of what it was for me. me too. It was like, this feels like I've completed elementary school in my master's program. And that's not to cut down a master's program. It's to say, for me personally, I felt like it was just a base and that there was so much more yeah. that I wanted to mm -hmm. um, engage my clinical brain in. Mm -hmm. And, and, and I wanted to have both sides. Like I wanted to speak both languages. I wanted to speak the language of, you know, relationship and depth and dynamics. And I wanted to speak the clinical language of diagnosis and assessment mm -hmm. and all of that. And I got jobs and placements that gave me both of those pieces mm -hmm. and then always maintained a private practice along with it. Right. And so it gave me this really dynamic and I know your process is the same, where you're doing different things. It's yeah, like this, I'm doing something different every day. Yeah, it's like this really dynamic 
psychological life. Mm -hmm. And I think that's one of the reasons maybe why you're going in this other direction and creating this thing is because, okay, I need, I now need to move into something that's more dynamic. Like yeah, whatever because it is. The, the, I've been uh, doing a lot of work at my, at the practice I'm at right now. And um, I feel like I'm at a point where I can't grow anymore because the ideas that I want, that I want to bring in, are not what the owner of our practice really does. It just doesn't really fit my brand anymore. And yeah. and he's a licensed MFT, and he's a that's his wheelhouse. And right. that for him, that works, and he does well. And like Shannon and I are saying, there, we're not beating that piece down. It's just that there. Are, that's I think the deciding point is when you sit back and you go, "There's more of this I want to do, and more I want to know that go that goes beyond just the actual practice." Yeah, and. I went into my MFT knowing I was going on, but where a lot of people don't have the patience is I found a lot of um, my colleagues in my doctoral program, they went straight from a bachelor's to a, a doctorate because they just wanted to do evaluation. And, they, and I'm like, you guys just completely skipped over the clinical skills. Mm -hmm. So when I went into a forensic doctorate, I had a two-year MFT degree where even though I wasn't going to be working with families and all that stuff in my forensic work, not in the capacity that you do in forensic work anyway, that I needed the same type of skill set. And what mm -hmm. I noticed was when they started to work with clients, many of them started to go, what the, and I'm like, and even though we, we were a clinical forensic program, but it was much more focused on evaluation assessment. And so that was me taking my time, but I got mm -hmm. that degree on the way Listen, I meet a lot of psychologists that are not good with people. Oh, the, most of them are terrible. I know. And and there's a real bad rap out there. And it's known in the community. Like there's, jo there's jokes yes. in, our, in our profession about psychologists not being good with people. And uh, I've met them. I, I send <laughs> a lot true. of, I send a lot of my referrals to licensed MFTs. Yeah. And I, and I would want to, if I'm sending someone to a psychologist or a psychiatrist, I'm going to want to know them. Yep. Because I'm, I'm just, it's too, <laughs> the relate, it's like if you, it's like sending someone who needs diet advice to a doctor. Yes. That's actually not who's trained to yeah. give you nutritional information. Yep. Doctors take, you know, a semester or something. Right. It's like, like the pediatricians who diagnose ADHD. Right, right. Yeah. It's Off like a pamphlet. Yeah. Unless it's your doctor's like thing. Which I understand that that's probably happens all the time, where mm -hmm. nutrition is and diet mm -hmm. and exercise is their thing, and so they went yeah, into they that. Yeah, they have an emphasis, kind of like it. what we're talking about, where they made it a thing. Like there's medical doctors who are not psychiatrists but have a background in psychiatric medicine, right? And there's psychiatrists that have um, a specialty in addiction medicine. Yes, you know, there's that kind of thing. So those are can, some of the best. Too. Yeah, and you can really be specific about your care and who you get for your care within the community. I think a lot of people aren't as, you know, they don't do that as much, but that's a yeah. longer conversation. Yeah. We just, we just really digressed. We just like fell onto know. another planet. Well, I'm okay with it. I'm okay with it yeah. because I think the point shrink chat is the name, right? It so. is. We talked, we just talked about a lot of different types of shrinks. We're <laughs> I think in the larger community, shrinks are often psychiatrists, but we're not psychiatrists. But really, I hear that. I know people too. use it. I think like shrink in your brain. Yes. Yeah. I think they, I think our culture uses it for all across the for board. all, for all mental health yeah. professionals. So yeah, that's <sighs> our show for the day. Hmm. Did we do you want to do everything? any of those? Oh, we have pop rocks. Maybe next time. All right. We'll save them.
I'm feeling next time. Okay. We got some Pop Rocks. And I wanted for the to new hear, year. Yeah, for, for the, the new, new year. year. That's how we will celebrate is by mm-hmm. eating Pop Rocks on the show. I know. We're insane. You're welcome. Yeah. And scene. So uh, next week on the show, as previously mentioned on our Terror Talk show this week, we next week we're going to do Unbelievable, which is a true crime story that w- there was a book written and then there was a fictionalized dramatic series created out of it with uh, Tony Collette and uh, others. And we're going to talk about it next week. And we're excited about that. Mm -hmm. So don't forget to tune in. This is Shrink Chat. My name is Shannon. And I'm Kathy. Sleep safe, everyone. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Shrink Chat. If you enjoy what we do here, there are two things you could consider. Subscribing and sharing our episodes on social media and checking out our Patreon page. Don't hesitate to contact us on Twitter, Instagram, or our Facebook page. We upload new episodes of Terror Talk every Wednesday and of Shrink Chat every Friday. Until then, goodbye and have a pleasant tomorrow.